it was, it, was a, it was a great time. Okay, well, the intro. Well, I'd like to start with the news. We can go to the next slide, please. What happened this week? Well, again, it's a rough week here on planet Earth. Uh, we had a balloon crash in the Netherlands. Um, one time I was working on a farm in the Pacific Northwest, and a balloon crashed right in the middle of the lettuce field. And the guy was okay, and I'm like, what you doing? He's like, uh, I crashed. Anyway, that's what happened in the Netherlands. Um, <laughs> it was cool, though. You know, they're quite large. I mean, look how big that thing is. Slightly more, well, way more serious, I guess. Uh, the train crash in Spain killed 80 people. And um, just yesterday, these dear youth group, uh, some Baptist brothers and sisters were traveling in Indianapolis, rolled their bus over, killed three. And of course, George Zimmerman, ongoing debate about justice and so forth. Um, and this is uh, from Egypt. I have missionary friends I went to seminary with uh, that, that were in Egypt when, this, um, when Mohammed uh, Morsi was ousted, and they've, they've had to go to England because it's not safe for them. So, yes, the world rages. We never ought to forget that. We are actually uh, the minority in terms of people not living under threat of some kind. You know, most of the population of the world, statistic-wise, is poor, far poorer than we are. So um, in these sorts of places, our hearts go out to them. But sad to say, but a reality, in terms of the news, I was kind of more occupied with, next slide, please, you know, this happened this week. I mean... Yeah, this was huge, okay? And I love, you know, the royal family, those poor, poor, privileged, rich people. No, um, you know, they have to dodge paparazzi and let us not forget what happened to Princess Diana, of course. But, I mean, it gets ridiculous, right? They, they have an undue amount of attention. Is it a girl? They thought it was. No, it's a boy. And, um, yeah, I love this, named Murray. That's, that came from Italian... <laughs> That's just hilarious. And then the guy in the middle is my new favorite person on the planet, aside from my family. That guy, that's passion. I mean, look at the pain in those eyes. I mean, that's awesome. Okay, so um, the royal family. And this got me thinking about the sermon this morning. In terms of family, in terms of, you know, this little prince, this king uh, prince of, um, what's his name, George? Alexander Luis, eventual heir to the throne, the king, right? And there's something so intriguing about that. I'm sure the same happened when, you know, uh, William and Harry were born uh, to Prince Charles and Diana. And, and of course, the way it works is if you have this royal stuff in your family line, it marks you for royalty. It marks you for leadership. It marks you for greatness, and there's something, I, I guess maybe I'm romantic, there's something, sin, or something sweet about the idea of a pure, perfect little prince coming into this distraught world. Something wonderful about uh, Catherine's smile, and um, William seems to be a good father, so they say, I mean, how can we really know that? But uh, there's something intriguing about this for us. And so we kind of daydream. On the other hand, when we talk about family, I think of other things in pop culture. I think of, um, I don't endorse these shows. I've seen snippets of them. I'm getting some pop in the mic. Is that, I wonder if my sort of cheek is rubbing against it. I'll just move it back. 
technical problem, sorry. I think I might have got it. So there's something in pop culture, right, that has the opposite effect. We're not so much daydreaming as we can get cynical. Modern family, family guy, Simpsons, most men on those shows are blubbering idiots. Um, Desperate Housewives, haven't seen that one. The title is enough for me to stay away from. <laughs> Real Housewives, did see a snippet of that in a hotel. Wow. Real Housewives of Orange County or something like that. So we're caught uh, when we drink the water, breathe the air of our culture. We're caught sort of daydreaming on the one hand, maybe, and being a little bit cynical on the other hand about the idea of family because I have every, um, every reason to believe, just because of my own life, my own history, that our families... We, the families we come from, or at least are connected to in one way or another, are dysfunctional. I mean, am I right? And try as we might, and as hard as I try to be a good dad, I'm dysfunctional sometimes. And it's so painful to see that hurt my kids. Just painful. So when we think about family, what's cool is we come to the text this morning, God has something to say about a family. God, God has something wonderful to say about making a family for himself on the earth. That's really interesting. And I thought about these happenings in culture in relation to that. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 11. I know we put the text on the screen, but I also encourage you to bring your Bibles. It's good, good practice. Sometimes I know it's the only time we get to thumb through it is on Sunday, if at all. So it's a good exercise. But we're at Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, here's what it says. By faith... Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Okay, so we're in this series called uh, Just Add Water, kind of faith is the element that makes life work, just like water feeds your plants, and then the bunnies eat them. Um, But uh, again, the world is off kilter. You know, we have these beautiful petunias. The bunnies took them down, and then we raised them up. And then a deer showed up at four in the morning, took him down. It's like, really? So anyway, you add faith to kind of whatever's going on in life, and it sort of makes it work. That's the idea of the sermon series. We talked about uh, worship with Abel. We talked about uh, Abraham last week. Tom, a few weeks back, we talked about by faith Enoch walked with God. Today, we're talking about Sarah and Abraham as a family. By faith, she received the power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. I'm going to put a little footnote there and spend 30 seconds on this topic. If you, have a, if you read from an older NIV version, the grammar's tricky in the Greek. I, I, there's a hand, I mean, an army of PhDs on either side. One will say, by faith, Sarah herself received the power. One translation will say, by faith, Abraham sort of and Sarah, like sort of impregnated Sarah. So it's like, is it Abraham or is it Sarah? It doesn't really matter really. It's talking about Abraham and Sarah, one flesh. I mean, they're married. Okay, so the text before this that Tom preached on last week was about Abraham. The text, the scripture verse after this is also about Abraham. The point is that it's Sarah and it's by faith. And we have good reason to believe, like most English translations uh, will say Sarah, but some do say Abraham. But no matter, if you want to talk more about that, just let me know. I just wanted to kind of tip my hat to that idea. So, so what we are saying is that Sarah uh, received this power from God, and she had 
a son since she considered him faithful who had promised. And, and the story of Abraham and Sarah is very, very important in the Old Testament and very important for the New Testament as well. But the main point today is that faith builds the house. Faith builds the house. This is a story about God using two regular busted people in a regular busted world to build his family. And we who believe in Jesus Christ, we who follow God, are part of that family. And if today you're maybe on the fence, maybe you someone sort of drug you here against your will, maybe you're investigating, you know, you're totally welcome. And I invite you to consider the invitation because God makes the invitation to the whole world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Be part of the family, okay? So faith builds the house. Now about house, I'm not talking about a spouse, 2.2 kids in a Labrador, by house, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, you know, a pile of bricks and a pile of wood. I'm not talking about gutting the jalopy that you're going to flip and, you know, sell for a profit. I'm not talking about that kind of house. We're talking about a household where God is a good father, where we are drawn together, we gather together, we eat together, we talk together, we share together. That's the kind of house we're talking about, that faith builds the house Faith builds the house. And remember, by faith, if you remember Hebrews 11, verse 1, preached on a few uh, weeks ago, we're not talking about puffed up hot steam in the chest. We're not talking about gusto. I will take issue with some translations that'll say Abraham's faith or Noah's faith. It's never personalized in the text. It's just faith. It's the substance, Hebrews 11, verse 1. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's substantive. The children of faith have it in them. We work out what God has put in. Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of faith. Not my faith, but faith. It's not that faith is a part of me, but I'm a part of the story of faith. You see, it's substantive. It's in the genetic code. It's in the DNA. That's what we're talking about. So we see in the family of Abraham and Sarah that faith builds the house. Faith builds the house. And how and why is this done? And we've got to move uh, backward into the text. We've got to figure out what's going on here in Genesis. The first thing we'll notice, um, can we flip back one slide? Sorry, uh, one more slide. The first thing I want to notice is, by faith, Sarah herself received power. Didn't say she had power. Didn't say she did something powerful. Said she received. That's sort of passive. She received power. Okay, you can go two slides up. Let's go back to Genesis. Thank you so much. So this is uh, to understand why and how Sarah received power and who gave her this power. We can answer the who question, I guess. It's God. God is the only one that can open a womb. Sarah was 90 some years old when she had that child. Moreover, when she was in childbearing years, her womb was closed. She could not have children. Okay? Well, God gives grace for a new household. So the first move, God giving Sarah power, the first thing to notice, and this is a timeless principle. This doesn't just apply to Abraham. It applies to you. It applies to your story. It applies to my story. God gives grace. God gives grace. The gospel starts with the character of God. 
God gives grace. God has every right. God has every right to wipe out my life the first time I willfully turn away. I'm not talking about being broken. I'm not talking about causing an accident. I'm talking about willful sin. And we all do that. We all do that. That which we are so loath to accept is that for which we have universal, verifiable proof. Universal, historical. Everybody is a sinner. Ask my son. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be a good person, right? And I say a lot of apologies in my house because I am a willful sinner. And God is a perfectly just and good God. So when we come to Genesis chapter 12, we, we, see, we meet Abraham for the first time. And this is what it says. For just some reason, God said to Abraham, go from your country and your, kidner, and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. Notice the underline. I will bless you and make your name a great nation. Make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Notice Abraham did not leave yet. I mean, he had to leave. But was it that Abraham left and he was blessed, or was it that he was blessed and so he left? You see the difference? That God moves first. God gives grace. Now, the key word for us is blessing. It's a very, very important word. We got to go backward again. This is only the second time, at this point in the Bible, this is the only second time that blessing, God blessing a person is used. And by blessing, we're talking about favor, approval. Like, yeah, you're on the mission. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right here. Yeah, yeah this, this is what I want you to do, and you're walking with me. The first time, let's go next slide, please, is after God created the heavens and the earth, the animals and the sea, he said, yeah, that's good. That's, that's, yeah, great. And the sun and the moon and the seas and the stars and the mountains. And we can affirm that those things are good. He creates men and women. And he says, now that is very good. Oh, I love that. that. Those two together, the image of God, male and female, together, male and female, different, together represent the image of God, he says. Okay. And this is what he says after he makes them, after he says it's very good. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God is giving a wonderful job description, right? Go into the earth and figure it out. Go find math, you know? For those who hate math, yeah, go find math. But those who love math, I mean, math built this building. Math makes cars. I mean, math makes amazing things. You know, go discover music. For those who are not musical, you can still appreciate. And musicians themselves know that they're tapping into something divine. That's why artists are so weird. You know what I mean? They're just like, you know, one of my favorite people in the church is Mike Bone. He's not weird, but he's a musician. And man, we just got like a spiritual sort of groove going because we know that this thing that we get to do together is just awesome. Right? Go figure it out. Go. And moreover, enjoy each other. Fill the earth means uh, romance and children. Fill it. That is a great job description. We all know what happens. Genesis chapter 3. God said, I'm going to give you a choice here. There's a tree. Knowledge of good and evil. You eat that, you're going to be like God. 
don't eat that one. Don't eat that one. And of course they do. They rebelled. They didn't fall. They weren't broken like, oh, poor them. No, they made the choice. They rebelled. Eve didn't listen to God. She listened to the serpent. Adam didn't listen to God. He listened to his wife. And they eat and they fall. And of course, this curse comes on them. And God says this, and it relates directly to the blessing. It says to the, he says to the woman, it's going to hurt when you have children. You are going to multiply, fill the earth, but it's really going to hurt. Moreover, you're going to be tempted to dominate your husband. Your desire will be to dominate him. To the man, he says, cursed are you. You're going to go out in the earth and try to subdue it. But you know what? It's going to produce thorns and thistles. You'll get some crop, but you're going to eat by the sweat of your face. And we all know men who have, in order to try and take dominion over their work, their work has taken dominion over them. Am I right? I'm tempted to do that. That somehow, I just got to get a handle on this, honey. The kid, you know, the kids are, they're important, but they're just not, at, not important enough. Right? Church is important. It's not important enough. Got to make the money. Got to go kind of be in charge. And on the flip side, I heard this one woman in a, um, uh, who is in sort of the adult entertainment industry. She was speaking on the radio, getting interviewed. And one, a profound question came to the, came to the woman. I, it really opened my eyes. I said, why are you in that business? I mean, no little girl wants to grow up and be in that sort of work, do they? I mean, I don't think so. How did you, what, what was it in you? Very simple, very pro- profound. She said, I loved the power that I had over men. I loved that power. That's what we're talking about. That's the fall, you see. That's the rebellion. That's the result. Is the power that we have over each other. And so houses sort of fight. There's this strange mix between sort of aggression and fear. We've sadly, most of us know despicable men who hurt their families and women in their lives. And they're this strange mix of brutal and aggressive, but also very afraid. There's a man like that in my background. And that's really hurt my life, right? We've got people trying to prove themselves to the world or to each other. But here it is. We are talking about the recovery of blessing because God said, cursed is the ground because of you. Cursed it will be when you try to have children. That's going to be very, very difficult for you. And here, a few weeks ago, Tom Werner preached about Enoch and these kind of two lines of humanity. There's one, one sort of camp of humanity that says, I'm not interested in fellowship with God at all. Remember, Cain, Adam's son, killed his brother Abel, and God found him, said, hey, started asking him questions, was being very loving. Cain was like, I just, no, I'm not interested. Just make sure that I don't get killed. Shifts the blame. Just make sure it doesn't happen. Well, after Abel died, the one who gave a better offering by faith, we preached on that a few uh, weeks ago, uh, Seth was born. Seth was born to replace Abel. And from Seth came this man, Noah. Noah is also blessed. God said there's the, the wickedness on the earth is increasing. I'm going to flood the earth. God says Noah is a faithful person. Noah, you will be blessed. And after Noah and the flood and all that, God blessed them again. So then we come back to Genesis 12 where God just picks Abraham and Sarah and says, I'm going to bless you. You see how it starts with God? When we turn away from the God who made us, 
he has every right to wipe us out immediately. But God, in his grace, gives us this time. Those who would believe in him and those who don't believe in him, we we basically have a, a lifetime to consider this question. Am I for God? Do I want him in my life? Do I want his power? Do I want to know him? You know, there's a fair amount of Christians, I mean, a fair amount of people who'd call themselves Christians, and just a fair amount of people in general who are like, I believe in God. But they stop. That's as far as it goes for me. Don't get caught up in any religion. You know, there's kind of more details there that are kind of not worth sorting through. I mean, that's crazy. That is a gamble. If you're willing to admit that there's a God, if you're willing to admit there's a higher power, and you stop, that's crazy. That's not going to get you anywhere. We actually believe that you can know God. God is personal, and God is gathering a family to himself because faith builds the house. Faith builds the house. And here, the first uh, point under this is that God gives grace for a new household. God gives grace for a new household. Next slide, please. God gives grace for a new household. That was the right slide. Next one. So how does he do this? Well, God touches a body. God touches a weak, older woman's body. This is what A.W. Pink says, an old uh, reformed uh, theologian pastor. God is not tied to the order of nature. God will turn nature upside down rather than not be as good as his word. God will turn upside, nature upside down in order not to be as good as his word. So we said that faith builds the house, God gives grace, and here that God touches a body. God has the power to open the womb. Sarah was there in weakness, and God blessed her. Let's read in the Old Testament. God touches flesh. That's right. Next one, please. Okay, so we're going to do a bit of reading. It's important. Again, the Old Testament is critical for under our understanding of the New Testament. So God said to Abraham, right? Remember in chapter 12, he said, I will bless you. I will bless you. Leave your place. I will bless you. Comes to him again. He says, I will. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, that was her name at the time, your wife, you will not call her name Sarai, but Sarah, the word means princess actually, shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her. I can tell you that biblical Hebrew does not mince words. When it says something twice, it's giving you a one-two punch. God is just going to bless Sarah, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. He laughed in God's face, and he said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Next slide. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women, you know what that means, had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord, talking about Abraham, is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. This is one of my favorite lines in the whole Bible. God's like, no, you laughed. I just love that. 
I just, I just love that. He's like, I'm still going to bless you, but no, don't kid yourself. You laughed. <laughs> love it. That's hilarious. God is not without a sense of humor. Okay, so what happened? So the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did not did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah, who was born to him, whom Sarah, who Sarah bore him, Isaac. Isaac actually means laughter. And Sarah said, God has made my laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Some see that there's repentance in this last line, or maybe even when the baby's born, she laughs. It's kind of hard to judge. I mean, right after this, uh, their maidservant laughs at Sarah, and Sarah's like, send her to Egypt. I, out, no, out, out. So, so the, the puzzle that commentators think about when we're in Hebrews 11 is, so by faith, Sarah received the promise. How in the wor- world was Sarah faithful? Was she faithful at all? I mean, she laughed in God's face. I mean, Abraham, yeah, he laughed too, but, you know, he did get up and go to Egypt. I mean, they laughed in God's face. How were they faithful? A couple things. First, remember, it didn't start with them. Of course they weren't faithful. They're fallen sinners, just like you and me. God makes the first step. I will bless you. I will bless Sarah. Moreover, I will bless Sarah. Moreover, he is going to bless them with a family, because faith builds God's house. Faith builds the house. But what we can say, my wife is so astute. I, I raised this question with her, and she said, well, Sarah slept with her husband, didn't she? I mean, a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man? And in fact, the, the text before this, Sarah says, shall I have pleasure? You could read that in the Hebrew saying, shall I have intimate marital pleasure? And she did. This ain't your children's Bible story. (laughs) You know, the Hebrews were a lot less embarrassed than we are about marital intimacy. And I love that. God blessed them. And they came together and had a romantic evening. And Abraham didn't force himself on his wife. She followed him. They came together. God blessed him. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. That's just, man, that's beautiful. And so God blessed them. And again, we are saying that to be blessed is to have God's favor. And you see, God blessed them with children. God blessed them with children. Can we go to the next slide, please, so I know where the heck I am? Okay, so faith builds the house. God gives grace for a new household, we said. And here, God touches flesh. God touches flesh. I remember um, the first time I met my grandpa-in-law, Grandpa Hansen. He was a child uh, during World War II, a teenager. His parents were missionaries in China. And he was imprisoned. And he suffered when he was in prison when he was a young man. And he had a, um, of course, I didn't meet him when he was a young man. I wasn't alive. But uh, I came to learn the story. He suffered. There was a prisoner exchange. He got to go back to his family, and he got to go back home. 
he got to uh, be with his family, and he came to the United States. He became a pastor, and he was a very troubled man. He would pastor for maybe a year or two, and then he'd just have a breakdown. Don't know what that means. It means he was just sort of vegetative at home, not able to engage anybody. Had four kids. My father-in-law was one of them. He, he suffered because his dad suffered. Another pastorate, another breakdown. Another pastorate, another breakdown. And back then, I have this theory about the 1960s. They, were, they really liked medication and other sort of substances. And so he was on like 12 medications for years, years. And, you know, when you are a missionary family, you kind of don't know modern medicine from nothing. You know, eventually, my father-in-law took him to the doctor and said, look, he's on like 15 pills. I mean, does he need all these pills? The doctor's like, I don't know what this does. I, I don't know what this... I mean, what, 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 what happened? You're, you're destroying his brain. They took him off all the medication. And guess what? Grandpa couldn't talk anymore. He could, but it was like a, uh, a dammed up river. You know, just a strong, powerful river kind of up against the dam. That was his mouth. His mouth was dammed up. He'd be like... And you could have a simple conversation with him, but if anything got difficult, like his little brain pathways or something wouldn't fire right, and he, he'd just have to stop. And you know what he often said? Praise God. He wouldn't be able to talk, and he said, praise God. And then one time, I was driving uh, in the car. It's kind of my first uh, prove it to your soon-to-be father-in-law. It was Karine and I were not yet engaged, and we had to go from Seattle to Spokane. It's a five-hour trip. And, and uh, their uh, grandpa needed a ride. And it was in the wintertime, and I had a Jeep, and it was pretty cool. You know, I was really into my Jeep, and I was so proud to drive it in the snow. And, uh, and I said, well, hey, I can give him a ride. And my father-in-law's like, uh, I'm trusting you with my daughter. I'm trusting you with my parents. And I'm like, I got it. I got it. You know, like a guy. And uh, so I put him in my Jeep, and we ride. And I had instrumental music playing. And grandpa was a vocalist. That was part of his ministry. He's a preacher. He was a teacher. He, did all, he could also sing. And he sang those hymns in perfect time because faith touches a body. Faith touches a body. It's true for Sarah. It's true for us. It might not, our promise isn't to have a gajillion children and have a new nation. God's promises to us are, are are that he's with us and he will guide us and he will show us as we need to. So we don't know quite what he has for us, but I know this, in my life, God has touched my body and has strengthened my body. And that's what I saw coming from grandpa. And notice this isn't strength to overcome and be like an Olympic champion runner or preacher or anything. For grandpa, it was just to persevere. He woke up every day to sit in his chair and pray. Grandpa persevered. Go to the next slide. One guy was made a champion. This is Eric Liddell, Chariots of Fire. God touched his body, and he said this. I don't know what your story is, but this is my story. God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. There are runners in our congregation that can appreciate that. I, I'm sort of an average runner, and uh, I do say that it's, that it's wonderful. It is wonderful to feel God's pleasure when we run. But the point is here is that God touches flesh, whether to overcome maybe, whether to enjoy something with his grace, whether to just persevere, whether to just persevere like grandpa. 
This is what Eric Liddell said in uh, Chariots of Fire, 1981 Academy of Best uh, Picture. He said this, I don't know, I'm a runner. I can only point the way. Everyone runs in their own way. The kingdom of God is within you. If you commit yourself to love Christ, then that's how to run a straight race. Friends, we can be assured of this, that others have pointed the way for us. That others have pointed the way. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. This great cloud of witnesses, first and foremost, Jesus, who endured the cross. It's that faith intersects flesh. God's building a house of faith. He acts first in grace, and faith intersects. Faith touches flesh. That's how God builds his house, through faith. Others have gone before us. God gave us grace. God touches human flesh, and we can take courage. Finally, God's, founda- God's faithfulness is the foundation of our house. God's faithfulness is the foundation of our house. Notice back in Hebrews 11, it says this, she considered him faithful who had promised. She considered him faithful who had promised. Now, Sarah had a very specific promise that children would come from her even when she was an old woman. Don't do anything crazy. Like, that's my promise. I claim it. I name it. That's mine. I'm going to go do something crazy to get that promise. No, no, no. What God says to us is, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What he says is, go out there and make disciples. Tell them about Jesus. He is with us. That's his promise to us, that he loves us, that where he goes, we shall be also, that he goes to prepare a place for us. In his Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, said Jesus. There's a place for us with him. That's his promise. And he said he is with us. So the foundation is God's character. You see, God himself underwrites the policy. He's the guarantor of the contract. He is the surety of the deal. He has staked his reputation on this, that he will have a people for himself. He desires to bless humanity. He has acted in grace. He has intersected flesh and blood. His very character seals the deal. Faith builds God's house. Faith builds God's house. And this testimony of of others is so important. It's so important that we gather together and we share the stories. So important that we read the story in the Bible that we know he's at work. It's underwritten by his faithfulness. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what God will ask you to go through. I've gone through some hard times in my life. And when I'm going through it, it stinks. It feels like I'm so alone. It feels like I'm climbing a mountain that's made of glass and I'm just slipping down. I've got nothing to hold on to. And I feel crazy. But I will not curse God because he loved me first. He's made me a part of his household. And so God intersects. I just have to hang on and persevere like grandpa. I don't know what the purpose is, but I can tell you what, I've also come through a few things in my life, not as many as some of you, and I can look back and I can say with a straight face, he was faithful. He was. I I could have cursed him. He was just faithful to me. I knew him better. I'm stronger. I'm closer to my brothers and sisters in Christ because I went through, because of what I went through. He is faithful because he's the one who builds the house. He calls us to help him build it by faith. Let us return to our introduction. We have had before us this week this dreamy little prince born into the royal family, right? And we wonder, 
were fascinated by that royal house. Is it a dream? We've been talking about God who acts in grace first, God who intersects flesh, and then God who underwrites the whole deal with his own character. We're talking about Jesus. Did you know that Jesus was 100% man, 100% God? He was born a family. Did you know in Genesis 3, before the curse is pronounced, God curses evil and the serpent first and says, the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. That's Jesus, the faithful one, the one who came and offered grace, the one who came and dwelt in the flesh, the one who came and offered us forgiveness because of his faithfulness to go to the cross and be raised again that we might be justified before God, clean, not guilty, based upon his faithfulness. That it was, it was what Abraham and Sarah and all the Old Testament saints were looking forward to while we look back on the cross. And we say, yeah, that's, that's for me. That's mine. So if you're considering Christ this morning, that's the offer you see to believe, to know that God is building his own household. And faith builds it. It's guaranteed by his character. It's been expressed in his very body, the body of Jesus. And it's entirely by his grace. Next slide. One more. We'll skip that one. This is Green Tree VBS. There's one expression of our family. One way we gather together and encourage and tell the story of God. Other, lots of other ways to be involved at in our church. And last slide. This is what we might say um, in conclusion. You can go back to that one. The house of humanity is crumbling. Doesn't look so in Kirkwood or De Pere, but that's North County. And I dare say when God sees humanity, he sees one piece. And maybe we're only as good as our worst neighborhood, our worst family. Next, we might say this in conclusion. One more. As forgiven believers in Christ, this we may say. Of God's children, I am one. My future I do not know. In God's loving care, I shall abide. By his power, I am changed. In faith, I will follow. By his faithfulness, I will endure. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for grace. Thank you for becoming flesh. Thank you for underwriting the whole deal with your character. Thank you for Abraham and Sarah, the family from which we come. For it says in Galatians, those who have faith, those who are in Christ are children of Abraham. That's us. And we thank you for that. Would you help us today follow? Would you help us know? For those that don't know you, would you make the invitation real in their heart? Give them the power to respond. Draw them by your spirit. And we thank you for your love. In Christ's name, amen. Will you stand with us as we respond?